Podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com, your ultimate destination for FC Dallas North Texas Soccer Club and European gear. Make sure and check out the end of season North Texas sale. 50% off all that sweet second team gear, more unique. People are going to ask you about it. It's good looking stuff. Third degree listeners get 20% off your order where you use the code third degree at checkout. Some exclusions do apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. This one is episode number 230. Isn't that a reference to something, 230? Is that. Is that the room uh, number from The Shining? No, no that's, no, that's a, 237. Yeah, something like that. Something anyway. Like that. Yeah. Uh, hi, how you doing? It's me, Peter. And of course, uh, that is your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of thirddegree.net, and the original Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hello, Peter. How are you on this uh, glorious two-point week? Uh, I'm I'm Okay. You know, yeah. Um, it's funny I mentioned the shiny because my wife is in Denver and she's staying at a hotel where every floor is themed, and the thirteenth floor is themed after the Shining. Mm. And at the this, I can't believe they did this. At the end of the hall, they have the they have the two creepy twin girls, life size, oh, wow. painted on the end of on the wall at the end of the hallway, and in big letters above them, it says Red Rum. <laughs> well, the, the 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 hotel that allegedly inspired that book uh, is in Estes Park, Colorado. So that's yes, not, so, yeah. yeah. So at, like the floor that my wife is on, the theme is Friends. <laughs> <laughs> she got the Friends and not the Shining. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when she told me about the Shining floor, I asked her if they had installed the Shining carpet from the hotel. Oh. And she didn't know what that was, so I had to send her a picture, and lo and behold, it turns out they did not oh, yeah. uh, copy the carpet. But why would you stay on a floor with those <laughs> twin girls at the end of the hall? It's uh, so weird. Yeah, that uh, is weird. I mean, people go to haunted houses, too. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. but do you want to sleep on that floor? No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Well, here we are, Buzz. We are actually recording literally just minutes after uh, Dallas pulled off a miraculous road tie 1-1 in Philly. Philly, a really good team in general, but really good at home. Uh, Dallas getting a point on the road, which is a big deal. And it's funny how we feel about draws on the road. Mm. They're fantastic at home. They're absolutely painful. And I, we can start with what happened. Uh, the same result on Saturday against another in another Eastern uh, Conference team in Columbus. But man, that, t- that I, I just like I was saying to you before we started recording, I was having a hard time remembering anything about that game buzz because it's just another. I just I find this team can be so boring to watch. Yeah, you know, we joked, or I joked, I can't remember when it was, maybe a month ago, or maybe more now, frankly, that this team plays like it's a mid-table Spanish team. And it really yes. is true. Yeah. Yes, it does. Home, home, home of the road, when they run into a team that is better, certainly offensively better, and has more talented and more goal-scoring upside, it doesn't matter whether it's home or road. They play this way. They play this mid-to-low block. Um, you know, if you go back to the Philly game, there's a very clear, not Philly game, excuse me, the Columbus game, it was a very clear, like, 
424 kind of look where they ran this line across just above midfield. So it made it very difficult for their back four to get out, you know, and, and then that of course abandoned the sort of the two guys alone in their own midfield, but then they had another line uh, with the defense. So they clearly were setting up in a way to try and diffuse that Columbus offense. And it was for the most part, pretty effective when you're talking about a team that has 60 goals on the year, literally twice as many as Dallas does you know, or more, um, you know, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get a team that plays like this quite frequently. Uh, they did it again in Philly and it allows them to stay in games against teams that score more goals than them. Um, they're in every game, you know, and if, and if you want to make a case for how do you win playoff games, if you don't have $15 million superstars, maybe that's it. Maybe you try and keep games really close. At least that's what I can come up with or why you'd want to play this way all the time. Um, but it's what they do. This is their bread and butter. And, and and we've seen it over and over and over again all the time that they don't care about having the ball. They want to play tough defense and then they want to counter in transition. And that's what, how they play. I got a direct message from one of the curious the other day after last week's episode that uh, appeared. I'm inferring this. I don't know if this is actually correct, but they, they seemed annoyed, if not mad at me, for referring to this team as boring. And I want to make sure that everybody understands. I know why they're boring. I get it. I feel like, uh, to Buzz's point, this is a uh, they are a mid-table Spanish team, and this is how those teams play because points are the, uh, the objective, and, um, and this is being practical and pragmatic and trying to figure out the best strategy. And I get that part. I I think the reason why I'm frustrated by it is because this team, in my head, was not boring last year. They were fun to watch, and they're not fun to watch this year. By and large, they have moments, um, but I understand why they're doing it. And I also have never been a fan, Buzz, of a manager. I've always wanted my club to be the club that dictates how a game is going to be played. Mm, yeah. Especially on your own home ground. So when Columbus comes to town and says... Hey, Nico, we're going to play this way. You figure out what you want to do. I, that that does bother that bothers me. And that, I think that's really my whole point about this. And not, and then the whole subsequent conversation about how long can a team be boring before you start to run into attendance issues because people don't want to watch boring soccer week in and week out and pay to watch it. But that's a different conversation. Yeah, I think a, a, what you're talking about, a lot of it is um, they definitely have done this sort of defensive mentality more at home this year, for sure, than they have than they did last year. Yes. Um, what's interesting is that this year, uh, one of the things they've incorporated is more use of different formations and this ability to change shapes, uh, often flexing in and out of shapes based on whether they're on offense or defense. This is a very modern style. It's what Greg Berhalter tries to do with the national team. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. The problem is, is that it takes practice and it takes understanding of to do it. And so he didn't do that nearly as much last year as he did this year. Last year, we saw them from every once in a while try the three at the back. But basically, they were in that default single pivot 4-3-3 you know, 99% of the time, it seems like. Well, this year, we've seen 4-4-2s. We've seen single pivot 4-3-3s. We've seen a double 4-3-3, which... You know, it's basically some version of a 4-4-2 in a lot of different ways, but it's a different conversation. We've seen 3-4-3. Today, we saw what looked like a 3-5-2. And I'm with you. I prefer a team, and I think Oscar did it this way, where we're good. We're going to play the way we want to play, and you're going to adjust to us. Yeah. And this team doesn't do that. This team adjusts micromanagement-wise to every team they play. 
they adjust to every tactical difference all the time. They don't ever dictate anything. They they always have, or not always, I shouldn't say always because it's not always, It's but it's, you know, 60, 70, 80% of the time, you know, they, they want to do this mid to low block and not care much about the ball and then transition back. But how they do that even changes from game to game. And so part of what I think, uh, in, in your eyes, I, I think makes them boring is the fact that they don't try and dictate the games. They just react to games. Mm-hmm. And that can often be, make you sit in the stands and go, just, I'm just waiting for something to happen. Well, like, oh my gosh. And then, of course, they do occasionally get stuff going. And, and counterattacking is fun when they get going. It's exciting when they get going. But there's far too many games for me where this team is passive. You know, I'm willing to watch a defensive team play if you're actively defensive and not passively defensive and just sit there. So mm-hmm. um, that, that's what I don't like about the way this team currently plays. But at the end of the game, if you make the playoffs, it's like, what, isn't that the job? So... I mean, more teams make the playoff than not now, Buzz. So that to me is not an achievement. I'm just not impressed if you're the ninth or eighth plus. I'm not even impressed if you're, unless you're top four, to me, it's just not an achievement. Uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody counts it that way, but I, I guess the one thing I was thinking about as I was watching tonight's game, do you feel like this team is better than last year's team? I think it's pretty much the same. And probably really? I'm surprised yeah. you think it's this. I think it's better defensively, but I don't yeah. think it's a better team. Well, that's probably fair. I, you know, part of the problem is, is that the, the, the injuries were so bad for a big yeah. chunk of the season. It really is kind of taken the steam out of this team. Um, you know, with it's hard to judge because they remember they were in fourth until all that came. And then they were in 10th when they came out of it. And that's, that's brutal. Yeah. Um, I a hundred percent agree. The offense is worse this year. I think there's no question. Um, but the defense, I think, is actually better. And there's a, and E.R. Mendy has made this team better in so many ways, even over just the last month. And, <laughs> right. and watching Velasco grow and wake up is really, really nice. You know, granted, the, the as we talked last week, the falling off of um, uh, uh, Legette and Areola was, is a big concern. And I think that's the thing that really has made this team uh, not enjoyable because Obreon is giving you what he gives you every year, which is like this very inconsistent explosions of like three or four good games and then four or five terrible games. He's doing exactly again. You know, Ansa's not really providing anything coming in. You know, we, we like the look of Bernie, but, you know, you know, you only like the look of Bernie for like 30% of any given game. The other 70% uh, makes my head hurt. But, you know, he has such a knack for making a big moment happen and, and taking advantage of it. Um, he can be real exciting for that when that stuff happens. So I, I, I don't think the team's – Injuries aside, I think the team's about the same as it is last year. Frankly, I don't think it's okay. much different. All right, that injuries that's, were just um, no, no. I, I know. I that's probably the fairest way of reviewing it. Is the team is probably about the same, but the injuries have taken a huge chunk out of this season, and we'll see if they are ever able to salvage it. And to be fair, last year they probably punched above their weight because they didn't have any injuries. And they were one of the few teams that was almost unscathed True. the whole year. So they probably had a point advantage because of that. So to me, it's basically, uh, you know, you remember when co- this coach came in and the first thing he talked about right out of the gate was it's going to take time. There's going to be a process. And so we're just in year two of this thing. And for me, watching them make decisions about personnel is more like an alteration of style and emphasis. And the team's not any better or worse. It's just evolving in some way. And we'll find out over the next season or two if it's actually going to be any good or not. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know that I know what the answer to that question is yet. 
Yeah. Uh, anything? I mean, I don't. We could talk more about the crew game. There's nothing in particular that I that stood out to me about that, uh, unless there's something I'm forgetting that we should talk about. I mean, Oberon was good again. You know, there there was the bit in the middle where they. I mean, he was. He was good. <laughs> he was good, yeah. but not. Uh, but not before he. I. I. Okay. These are. There's one thing I do remember. I remember wanting to throw something at the television because there were two very uh, memorable moments of Oberon just getting in the way, making the wrong run, not finishing a pat, not finishing an opportunity, or making the right pass. And yeah. then, of course, he goes on and and scored a goal and. <laughs> played better but uh, yeah he's yeah. very he's well, obviously he's, hit or miss he's still Oberon. yes you know? yes yeah. yes the other thing to talk about is the weird uh shift to a three four three for about 10 minutes until martinez got his you know 70 minute knock that he does and then had to go out um i i i, I don't know why we keep seeing the three four three it has really not worked <laughs> in any form or fashion in my opinion this year after watching that game and watching the I don't know. I'm sure we're going to talk about the shape and tactics of the Mm. Philly game tonight. The reason why I enjoy it is because I know it makes your soccer pants go crazy. (laughs) Well, which one? (laughs) The formation or the, The, just the fact that this team doesn't just do a four, four, two and just stay with it all season long. It's like, what are we going to do tonight? What kind of, you know, it's like a, it's like a teenager trying to decide what they want to wear to go to school the next day. (laughs) They just kind of do whatever they want to do when they do it. Yeah. Usually a Dallas team, um, when the game starts, I know what the formation is going to be. And it takes me about 10 seconds to just glance around the field and go, yep, everyone's where I expected them to be, or, oh, there's the change. But this team, this version of this team, every game, no matter what they draw up on the lineup card they put out, I have to spend 10 minutes like, (laughs) okay, who's out there? Where are they playing? Is the formation what it's supposed to be? Or is some knucklehead running somewhere he's not supposed to be? And so what is it really supposed to be? And what is it actually are often different? You know, so I spend 10 minutes staring at the thing, trying to figure out what in the world they're doing because they change it every game and they alter it every game and the plan is different every game. And so in a way I get a certain amount of enjoyment from that process. It can be distracting. You know, I can't just watch what's happening because I'm trying to figure out what in the world they're doing, but you know, plus it's hard to eat your nachos. It's hard to eat. Yeah. I'm I'm a big (laughs) nacho guy. I get my, my Coke zero and I'm good. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just, Yeah. Look, I, until you're just outright better than most people, it, it can be hard. And this is why, we, again, we joke, and we're circling back, but we joke about the idea that like it's the mid-table team, right? He's coaching for micro-minutia advantage so he can grind out a few points and finish in the top half of the table, basically, is what he's doing. That's how he's coaching, you know, and right or wrong. At least that's what it looks like to me. You know, I'm sure if you ask him, he'd probably tell you, like, no, we're trying to win every game. And things like that, you know. And sometimes I find answers like that disingenuous. I'm like, man, you're trying to win every game. Why did you do X, Y, and Z? You know, it's like it's, you're not necessarily trying to win every game. Like when you go into Philly and you rotate half your, eighty percent of your team, you can't then tell me with a straight face we're trying to win that game. Now you were trying to survive in Philly. You can't. Sure. Right. Okay. We're trying to win. No, I'm sort of. You're trying to get through that game without it going south and getting beat five nothing. Is what you're doing. And it worked and they were in it, you know, but it's like so this, I find that a disingenuous statement saying we try to win every game. It's like, come on. No, you don't. Not everybody tries to win every single game. It's not, not unless you're LAFC. Well, Philly had a, had to rotate a few tonight as well. They weren't at full max, yeah. uh, but getting a look, it's the, it's not winning the game against the crew that hurts. Yeah. At home. 
at home. Yes, because that's a home yeah. game. You don't have a lot of home games left. I know the crew are very, very good. But if you're really uh, stretching to try to make the playoffs, those three points would have been, and that would have been uh, gone a long way towards securing your place in the playoffs. But I, but I look at it this way, Buzz. Yeah. You didn't get the three points to get the crew, but you did get uh, a point tonight in Philly. So you ended up with two points instead of three, which is pretty close to what you kind of hoped you'd get out of these two games, and and maybe, uh, and then we'll see what happens when they go down to Houston on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the crew game is that, like on paper, you look and like their goal was an own goal. I mean, how many chances were they really creating or whatever? But you're like, man, they, they had 13 shots and, and Martin Paz had an amazing game again. It's like, yeah. you know, they easily could have been down three in the first half if it hadn't been for Martin Paz. You know, so while you look at some of these numbers, and you think, oh, look, Dallas did a really nice job against the crew at home. You know, they, they withheld them. They, they kept they tied a game, you know, really a high powered offensive team. But, you know, you have to remember the context of how it went. You know, it's like they were mostly bypassing the middle and going wide because, again, that 4-2-4 thing, the wide midfield was wide open, and they were getting all these things in there and making all these opportunities. You know, Dallas kept them out. I'll give them that. But, you know, that's the thing is, like, even particularly at home, regardless of that that you got a point, you feel like you should win games at home. You know, crew are terrible on the road. You know, so I, that game felt like to me an over adjustment. Like you overly thought you overthought that one, and like mm-hmm. we got to play like it's a road game. This is really powerful offense, man. The crew stink on the road. You ought to be able to beat them in your home just playing the way you play. And that that's what bothered me about that game was that part of it. Well, uh, yeah. So one one against the crew. Then tonight in Philly, uh, Nico does a complete rotate. Not not complete, but pretty much yeah, a complete pretty rotation. Well, the, there was a couple things that were slightly weird. It was like I, I, I fiddled around with the idea of this four four two that they put out on paper, except that they didn't do that last year when they beat Philly here. They played a four three three. So I kind of shied away from that at the very end. The reason I considered it was to get Jimenez on the field, but Jimenez has been so bad. I thought, no, man, they want. I talked myself out of it. Well, sure enough, they did that, and that, and that basically that formation happened, and Jimenez happened just so he could take Jesus out of a game. Velasco coming back from injury, I expected him to go because you want to try and build his minute load. But then Pomaco rotated in for Sar Mindy. That was obvious. Uh, Facundo was back in. Uh, no, I expected Facundo to be back in because he had a midweek game on last week. But they actually went with Frazier, which I was surprised by because that kind of meant the whole, like almost everything was rotating. I did think Dante Cedar would start. I thought Obreon would start because you're going to have Bernie back soon. Um, the one that caught me off guard, Junka, I knew was going to start left back, or I assume was start left back, was that it should have been back to Martinez Ibiaga, but it must have been that Martinez was not feeling it after that late game knock he had because they stuck with Tafari. Either that or coach listened to the podcast and listened to us say Tafari should start every game no matter what. I, I doubt that's what happened. That's not what happened. It must be Martinez was not was worse than I thought he was because I would. It, it should have been if you follow the three player rotation at center back. It should have been Ibiaga Martinez, and it wasn't. So that's the one that actually caught me off guard was that Tafari was in there. Well, I'm glad he didn't because Tafari uh, had to chase and, and clear out balls multiple times. No, he was a monster in transition. Yeah. Yeah. That there's no way Martinez or Iggy Iggy Ibiaga. Iggy, uh, Ibiaga. 
Ibiaga, thank you. Uh, yeah. Get to either one of in any of those opportunities because those guys just are a little older and not as fast. Tafari has got the speed. Yeah, I mean, Uri and Sullivan are for them are both pretty good. So it's not in the end. Maybe it was maybe it was just a guy Tafari, you know. But then the rotation was off, and you know, whatever. I'm okay with Tafari every game. I mean, with four games left right after this, so he should start the rest of them. Yeah, so I was, um, you know, I, I think like everybody else, saw the lineup and went, well, okay, this is going to be a long a long night. But I, they, I thought by and large the team played really, really well, and going down one nothing was a real bummer. It was an oddly, it was a weird defensive setup for a corner kick, by the way. And so it was that, that tied with some really poor defending on Dante's part uh, in the last, at the, at the very last moment of it. Um, but that was really the only real chance I thought Philly had to that point. I thought Dallas was playing really well. Yeah, that was a game where, uh, without looking at it, I believe Dallas had the better of the XG, if you like that stat, you know. Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, no, they didn't. Oh, I thought they would have. Um, I think it's a terrible stat. But, you know, for the most part, I think that um, Dallas had its fair amount of chances. You know, the first half was really weird in terms of the shape. It's like I – I was like, is Dante really Sealy playing wing back? He was acting like he was playing wing back. I don't the the certainly the average position made it look like he was playing wing back. I don't think he was supposed to be a wing back. I think he's supposed to be a wing like Obreon. It's just that Velasco was running away from uh, No Bueno in the middle there and and ended up more on the wings than he did like right underneath Jimenez. Part of that's because Jimenez never moves, so uh, so Velasco oh. has to do all the moving, and Sealy ended up playing going back and back and back and back. And all, and I think it was not supposed to be that way because Obreon was staying really high and not coming back at all. And Dante was playing so far back, the formation was like at a tilt, like way off to the side. And they, they changed it in the second half and Dante quit doing that. So I assume they must have adjusted him and gotten it fixed because it was it was most of the wonkiest formation I've ever seen. Uh, if you look at it, Jimenez looks like he's Carlos Valderrama standing in midfield. Um, and it's true for the whole game. His, whole, his number nine is pegged right there at the central midfield. He's going to go down as the most forgettable number nine in this club's history. Yeah, I mean, Hammer Jetterson, it's got to be close. He's the guy that I'm pretty sure, the only reason why I remember Jetterson is because of the funny last name. Yeah. Uh, but this guy is a guy in three years we're going to go, who is that guy that we traded for yeah, and guy. didn't do jack crap? Yeah. I mean, he, he looks so disinterested and so zero effort. And, uh, you know, a few minutes into the game, he has a ball at midfield and he flubs a simple, basic soccer 101 two yard pass backwards to somebody and gives it right to Philly. And he doesn't even, like, he jogs. He never makes an ounce of effort to try to win the ball back. And, I, and when I see that, I am absolutely out on it, dude. Yeah, he's right up there with Escobar in terms of forgettability. Um, Escobar, I only remember because he wore 91, which is a stupid number. The the one I remember from um, Jimenez was is late in the game, right before he subbed out for him. There was a ball that came out of the back, and and he ch tried to chase it, and then he did that bit that you do when you're when you're slow as dirt and you want to make it look like you're running as hard as you can. That over exaggeration of, Oh, look at me. I'm running hard. Kind of. And I was like, Oh my God, he's so slow. Well, I mean, look, it, he, he makes no effort to win balls when he's got pressure, uh, in the box. 
there were so many times people would try to play him a ball into the box, not many times, but the, on the on the few opportunities they got to do that, he was just getting pushed off the ball, and I, I just screw that guy. He's just a waste it's of bad. time. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, it's yeah. it's not good. And um, yeah, you know, the only value he brought tonight was that Jesus Ferrer got to spend sixty minutes on the bench. That was the best part. I would have I would have rather them have called up a kid from North Texas. You can't. The roster's been. frozen. Oh, well. I yeah. Know. I mean, you could have started Ansa. That would have been better, honestly. I mean, the guy's a nine slash wing. Just just play him. I mean, I, I know it's not great, but it can't be worse than what Jimenez is doing. You know, the, the thing is, is that Jimenez is getting paid a lot of money. Stealing money is what and he's you, doing. you know that there's 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 going to be a call like, hey, why is Jimenez not playing? We're paying him a million five or whatever the hell he's getting. <laughs> you know, it's not. So sometimes yeah. I hate it, but that's sometimes that actually happens. And, and, and honestly, as valueless as he was, just just play Ansa instead. You know, the, the only thing that you needed him for was to get through 60 minutes of the game, you know, with some defensive pressure, and you can't even do that. You might as well let somebody – or just put O'Brien at the nine. Let O'Brien chase people. That's fine. You know, then you had to start Paul, I guess. I guess if Bernie would have been healthy, maybe it would have been different. I bet you it would have been. Yeah, probably. All right, I want to talk about something good, uh, which was a funny exchange uh, initiated by me uh, with you on our little group chat Uh-oh. because there was a moment in the game where uh, Emma Tuamase wins a ball and races into Philly's half of the field, out uh, outpaces his mark, and plays a perfect ball at the top of the box to Alan Velasco, who kind of just half swipes at it and plays it in and just shoots it right at uh, Philly's keeper. And I, I sent you a note and said, man, Velasco, if you want, he's got to score that goal because that's the difference between him and the next level Argentinian player or, or hit, let, you know, whatever the next level quality yeah. player, attacking player in this league scores that goal every time. And Allen didn't do it. And then sure enough, <laughs> 10 seconds after I send that the ball bounces right back to Allen and he hits that farting worldy. What a banger that was. What a great goal. And that is exactly the kind of goal that kid needs to be scoring for this team. Yeah. Between your t- message and me reading it, and then before I can even start typing, I'll blast that thing in. And I was like, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, he went to Amasi best game in a while from him. He was Yes. Yeah. Really I fully good. agree with you on yeah. that. Yeah. See, I look, Allen does a lot of – there's been so many good things that I've seen out of Allen this season that uh, is such a silver lining to uh, for all the dark periods, which is uh, he's played harder. They've been able to play him more centrally and kind of solve some of that problems. Another thing that I've started to see out of him um, is recovery, like coming, like like really working super hard to check to come back when the ball's turned over and not just quitting at the top of the field, but making an effort to come back like Paxton Palmacall kind of recovery runs, which I really, really love seeing out of the kid. But the one thing he's just got to start doing is start banging goals in. So I, and that was great to see out of him tonight. I loved it. Yeah. I think with Allen, uh, we have to, I'm not going to say be patient, but you know, understand that there's a pathway here and that there's going to be, it's, it's not going to go from, zero to Messi overnight. There's going to, every year is going to be a progression. And so this year to see him make that last year was about the defensive progression. This year it's about the progression of being able to step into the middle and play surrounded by people, you know, and the next step will be game influence and like, okay, now we know that you're good. You have to be able to do it and deliver it consistently and do it when people are focusing on you is the next step. People are now going to have eyes on him. 
you know, and today was a good example of a no bueno in the middle who was just chasing him everywhere and kicking him everywhere. And, and Allen's going to have to learn how to play referees a little bit better than he does. He's trying to do it, but he's not good at it yet. So it's all getting taken as flopping where you're going to have to be able to sell that a little better. But, you know, nonetheless, like the, the next level for Allen is not ability. It's in mind. It's mental. Um, he's in the same place Paxton is, frankly, where the difference for Paxton is other than you can't play every game because your body breaks down. It's mental. You know, those guys need to look at what Iramondi does and take now a different position than Velasco. But nonetheless, it's the mental side of the game. It's the reading of the game. It's the awareness. It's the touch. It's moving into space. You know, all those things. And to watch the awakening of Alan Velasco is so exciting. Like every game, it's a joy to watch that guy learn something because you can clearly see it happening in real time. It's spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did uh, get a lot of enjoyment out of Philly uh, tonight, how somehow Alan Velasco turned into the villain that they wanted to oh, boo. Like fun. that's such a weird <laughs> thing. Like there's a lot of other guys out there for Dallas that I think you'd boo way before you booed Velasco, but whatever. By the way, I should I also want to compliment Philly because this is the for the city that once booed and threw batteries at Santa Claus. I guess I should be relieved that they are <laughs> openly r- rooting against children's cancer. I uh, I was I'm, I'm relieved to see that they were up for the uh, the collective league battle against children's cancer. That's uh, that's a relief. I was <laughs> a, was worried we'd see them rooting yeah. for children's cancer. It's an improvement. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, they got a good. They have a great side. I love watching Gazdag play. That guy is so good. Uh, you know, he's another guy you could that Alan could learn things from. He's not nearly as nifty on the ball as Alan is, but he reads the game so well, and his <laughs> his influence is just remarkable. You know, uh, you can learn from that guy. Paxson had a really good game tonight. Great but, game, yeah. But I I did enjoy because I know it's he's gonna I I bet he's gonna spend the entire flight home thinking about this moment, him biting on the move Gazdag put on him late in the game. Yeah. And then got beat down the line. That's gonna. That's gonna. Paxton's gonna be chewing on that one for a while. But that was a sweet move on Gazdek's part. It's a chance to grow. Listen, I th- I thought that was one of Paxton's best performances of the year. Yes. You know, maybe I not agree. his best because he had a really really good one. You know, like a month ago too. But it's it's nice to see. It's not just like, hey, great. I love seeing Paxton wake back up. And the most important improvement was these. Uh, these dribble drives into the yeah. gaps, right? Like top ball of the box. Yeah. yeah, ball progression. Phenomenal. I'm hoping he's picking up some of that from Yaramendi. You know, some recognition both by the club and hopefully by him that you cannot run him game after game after game, that he's going to have to take games off because just because he's Paxton, okay? That's not a big deal. You know, in a modern squad, we already have a glut of guys there because you got Aaron Mindy. When when Legette's healthy, he's going to have to factor. You know, you're you're not going to start 34 games. Uh, the, he's not particularly Paxson's not, but you see that the performances you get when you manage that a little bit. When you when you have these games off for him, the games you do get him, he's fantastic, and he's awakening and and making these penetrations. Because maybe it's because you're lining him up slightly deeper, this deep eight position, which he played a little more of in the academy anyway, so it's a little more familiar for him to drive from that position. When you play him as that high pure ten, like when he has to fill that a Velasco role, I think he gets caught so tight to the defense that he doesn't have time to, you know, find the gaps and read it like he does when he comes from deep. Uh, maybe that's a difference for him too, because the improvement the last month from him has been really lovely to see. Because we yeah. were worried for a while there that we were like, man, we're gonna have to just oh, get, like, I, you know, oh. yes, uh, I don't, I don't know how uh, much we uh, communicated it on the podcast, but I, 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 I think you and I had several conversations. We're like, 
uh, is Paxton done? Like, yeah. is he broke yeah. forever broken? Because whatever, whatever's going on with Paxton does not look like him. And that was really scary. And now he looks like Paxton again. Yeah. So much so that one of the national writers messaged me about how excited they were that, to see it. And I was like, you know, Oh, so that, again, it was a, Dallas was on a little bit of a pedestal because they were on their early game against Philly. So like all the East Coast guys are awake and watching. That's so, really cool. Lexi yeah. Wallace sent you a, a message. That, yeah, no, not Lowell's. Uh, <laughs> that guy would not remember me. That's really cool. Gab Marcotti <laughs> sent you a note. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. it was Shep uh, Messing. That's who it was. <laughs> Shep Messing. <laughs> Grant Wall sent you a note from the yep. great beyond. I did a seance <laughs> with Grant. Yeah. Uh, Martin Paz totally, Again, deser- totally yeah. 100% deserves having a supermodel as a girlfriend. I just yeah. want to announce, I just want to say I've declared that to be fair in the world. He's having He's a, an it. amazing season with an amazing goals <laughs> against. This is one of the best seasons for a keeper we've seen in this club history. I guarantee you, he won't be up for goalkeeper of the year because he plays for Dallas. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is stupid. That goal, that save he made, uh, it was the shot from the top of the box that was deflected off a defender. I have no idea how he saw that ball, much less saved it. There was a play where the ball went over the top, and he went up, he jumped like he was going to block it, and then he realized it was going over, so he brought his hands down. It was like he just floated in the air for a couple seconds. Yeah. My wife was like, is he levitating and just sort of floating there? <laughs> That's what it looked like. Yeah, I, 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 there was a whole group of people standing behind that goal that had to pick up their eyeballs off the ground and wash them off before they put them back in their head because they could, they had to have had the fallen out of their heads watching him make that save. They would have put Philly up two one at that point. What a save! Oh my God, that's a world class save. Yeah, he continues to make the the big massive save one two sometimes even three or four of them that you need in order to keep the games close. If they didn't have him. And they didn't, and they, and, and listen, I like Jimmy Maurer, and there's been some times where Jimmy Maurer's been very good for this club. But if they only had Jimmy Maurer, this team would be buried at the bottom of the standings. It's, oh, yeah. It, yeah. Absolutely. Pause is single handedly keeping them in the playoff race. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there are things that have improved about the defense overall, but he is the catalyst for the improvement of their defensive record that between last season to this season, no doubt about it. Yeah. The last two seasons, when you go back to Lucci ball, like if oh, Lucci would yes. have had pause. Yes. The season he got fired, he, Lucy wouldn't have gotten fired. Because he had Jimmy. The Jimmy the year before was great. And then that last year, Jimmy lost something and took a step back. And the defense was not nearly as good, and Lucci got fired. If he would have had pause, they would that defense would have held together, and Lucci wouldn't have gotten fired. That's how good this guy is. This is saving people's jobs. So, Buzz, I'm going to ask you the question. Yeah. Should Dallas have won this game 2-1 with the um, Areola goal? No. That's, you know, uh, listen, I, I, the handball rule is so dumb and so confusing. And, and, and I really wish we were back at the previous version of it, not because of this game. But the one thing I can tell you about this game is that if the ball touches the arm mm-hmm. of a person, no matter whether it's deemed a handball or not, that mm-hmm. guy can't then kick the ball to the goal. That's right. part of the rule. I'm holding a gun to your wife's head. <laughs> no, seriously, listen yeah. to me. I'm holding a gun to your wife's head. You are now going to swear to me you saw the ball touch. You 100% sure, without question, you saw the ball touch Ariola's arm. Yeah. 100%. See? I am one I I I could not I could not say that because when you when they showed the camera angle from behind the goal looking at uh uh 
Ariola from the front, I could make the argument the ball looks like it goes behind his arm and hits off his side. And the freeze framing of the angle from behind is so blurry, I can't, I don't know how anybody could swear on a Bible that it touches his arm and not his side. Uh, yeah, and again, was... this is where I get into the whole zapprudering of VAR. Because when I saw it in real time, I thought, did that hit his arm? And then they were all celebrating and everything. And I went, okay, I guess it didn't. And then, you know, 15 minutes goes by and they're like, oh, maybe it did hit his arm. Let's go back and look at it really closely. Yeah, well, that's a different discussion. The over zapruitering of VAR is different than, it, like, just based on the clips they showed, I was 100% convinced it was a handball. The minute they hmm. showed all those replays, I was like, oh, that's no goal. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't like it. But no, it I know, was, I know. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, I'm just... I didn't see anything that def I did not think it would definitively show that it absolutely touched his arm. I saw that it came off somewhere around his arm. Yeah. And if it did touch his arm, did it touch it above the cuff of the sleeve or below oh, the cuff well, of the sleeve? No. Because that's the cutoff line now officially with uh, FIFA, by the way. Well, I can tell you that. I mean, th th this this whole like uh, you can't score after it touches your arm crap to me is ridiculous because I, yes. that part of the rule is asinine. I can understand the idea of natural position, that part is a conversation I'm happy to have. This whole, like, you then can't be the guy that scores. Well, why not? Who who cares? It's like the ball's in play or it's not, right? I mean, it's like. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, look, it's I, such a stupid part. I don't, let's, not, let's not beat it to death. But. No, no. And I and just so everybody understands, I, I'm fine with them calling it that way. I'm just trying to make a point that I'm. I'm not sold that you can 100% definitively say it touched his arm. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm just not convinced of that. Uh, sure. Okay. I mean, I was. I had no cause. I mean, like instantly. Well, I you're was an like, idiot. Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I work in TV, so, you know, it's, maybe I'm used to looking at video like that yeah, more maybe. often than not. All right. You you're know. smarter than me. Well, okay, it's not well, that. It's that I literally do sports where I'm feeding those kinds of replays to officials. You know, I know what I'm looking at, hmm. you know. Thanks for big time in me, Buzz. Yeah. <laughs> Just like I don't tell you about radio. <laughs> All right. So uh, Dallas ends up with the 1-1 draw at Philadelphia. Anything? I was, what else did I want to talk about uh, the Philly game? Uh, I Oh, I did want to say this because I kind of bagged on him last week. I thought Frazier was better today. And did I actually, you? I actually noticed. Well, maybe it's because I noticed him today. Oh, I noticed him because he was friggin' horrible. Really? I didn't yeah. think he was horrible. I thought he was straight garbage. He had what? one really good game, like the last time he played. No, no, so, no. Hold on. What What was straight garbage about him tonight? I'm well, not saying he was Iramendi or Faku or anybody else. I just, he, I at least noticed him, and I don't remember him making, like, critically poor errors. Oh, yeah. Ten seconds into the game, he just handed the ball to a guy that almost scored. Well, maybe I, I maybe didn't see the and first ten seconds of the game. Downhill from there. Uh, it was awful. Yeah, that was terrible. What was his passing percentage tonight? Oh, uh, uh, let's look real quick. Do, do, do. Uh, Frazier, 86%. That's pretty good for a midfielder. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. I'm not saying he was world-class or I, I would have given him more than a, a six and a half out of ten. But well, Pomichol was 92%. Okay, well, I, he wasn't Pomichol. <laughs> yeah, Jimenez was 90%. Uh, you know, I just thought he was really poor. Um, Why did they trade Cerillo again? Uh, because um, his contract was expiring at the end of this season, and LA Galaxy offered right. an obscene amount of money for him. Okay, and right. and they had they had made Edwin an offer, and he was Didn't choosing. He had been declining it, and you can't let a guy get away for free. 
Okay. And just the business of soccer. Yeah. And that's a then that's a good smart move on their yeah. part. Yeah. Okay. That I'm was just it. Saying, it was just money. I noticed Frazier tonight and I didn't think he was horrible, but again, I will defer to the expert yeah. Buzz Carrick. Um, Edwin is a much better garbage. player. Yeah, oh, I'm, I, I don't. That's why I asked the question. I want to make sure I, I know the story behind that. I, I will give Frazier credit. The previous game he played, he was actually pretty good. But this game was back to the, oh, my God, get him out of there fast, please. <laughs> you know. uh, Dante Seely. Yeah. I, I, here's my problem with Dante. He yeah. doesn't appear to be able to receive a ball with his back to goal or with somebody on him no. very well. Like, that's a real problem. Yeah. He, he wants to run at people, period. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, in the in the – before he left here and went to PSV, I mostly saw him play in the academy more than I did for the first team club. And he was all the time, he would come out to almost like a wide midfield position and pick up the ball and just run at people relentlessly from that high angle position. And you can see that he wants to do that. He sets up out on the touchline, you know, like 10, 15 yards off the defense. And he wants to get the ball there in space so that he can set up and go at people. But it's not all that effective yet in this league. Defenders in this league are much better than what he's been facing. Remember, he wasn't at PSV. He was at PSV Zhong. That's a big difference in those <laughs> in those two things. Right. You know, so he he did it all the time at North Texas too when he was here. It was effective. But you know, you're talking about MLS where guys are actually fast. You know, you can't just run past them like you could before. So look, he's a player with some potential still, but he has a whole lot to learn about how to play in tactics still. And there's a whole lot to learn about how to be effective at this level. And that, and it's a shame because he's already starting to get up there. I mean, he's like, what is he like 22 now? He's not a kid anymore. So I, I think there's some value there still. And he does, he is making teams and getting in these games, which means that the coaches see something in him, but it's about 80% of the game. It's not very effective. He is putting in effort. He is running from end to end on the field, which, okay, I'll give you credit for that. But he's, he's often out of position. I think, you know, and doesn't really know how to defend very well. And we saw a lot of that in the first half when he when he gets back there, which hey, great effort. But then you got to defend 100. percent You can't defend right. like 80. percent And you guys just, just run past foot, you. Can't just stick your foot out. Yeah, you got to <laughs> actually defend if you're going to be back there. Otherwise, just get out of the way. You know. So look, it's a project at best. If Bernie was healthy, would he even be playing? You know, he'd be behind Obreon and maybe well, not Ansa obviously because he played over Ansa, but. Um, I don't. I, I. I think there's some things there worth still exploring, but you know the the clock's ticking when you're getting to be 22, 23 years old. I should yeah. look up exactly what he is since I'm saying that. Yeah, and I and we probably to be honest, it, it is a bad look for uh, Zanata that Seeley's getting a start over Ansa at this point. Oh, he's Ansa. 20. Let's be fair. I should give full credit. He's only 20. Okay. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, you're it's, looking that up. It's an indictment of uh, Zanata that he's starting over Ansa, and I agree completely. I mean, look, I, I, I got to give yeah. Zanata credit for Elara, but and bringing that guy in because he's amazing. But Ansa's a player that they needed. They need production out of, and they're getting. I mean, they've gotten not much more out of him than they've gotten out of Jimenez, and uh, and the fact that this twenty-year-old kid who's just you know okay is starting over him is not a good look. Yeah, I mean, Bernie was, was starting over him too. You yeah. know, and that's not uh, the best. I'm hoping for at this point is this is going to be one of those six-month foreign things where it's just he's only been here and he's from Ghana and playing in Israel and it's like he's not used to this or that and has no 
family's not here. I mean, I don't know. I'm just guessing, you know, that six months from now or probably at four months from now at this point, like next spring, maybe we'll be like, man, I can't believe we ever died. Of I mean, that's what I'm hoping because right now it's not worth squat, you know, and that's a shame. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else's performances from the crew or the Philly game that we need to discuss. Um, Junko was pretty quiet, solid, not, uh, let's see, uh, Sebastian Ibiaga was fine. fine. Yeah. Fine um, was great. Yeah. Paxton Farr, was great. Yeah. Paxton was great. Yeah. Overall, I mean, I'm. Look, I'm not, I, like I said, I'm not excited about the draw against the crew at home, but I'm delighted over the moon that you went to Philly and got a point. Now, there's a lot of teams that aren't going to do that this year, so I think that's full credit to them. Yeah. And and, uh, and this all leads up to um, uh, the, the big game against Houston, who, by the way, did end up winning Open Cup tonight uh, in Miami. I think the final was 2 nothing. Neither Messi or Jody or Jordy Alba were even on the bench, both those players sat out the game um Busquets did play uh but uh Houston is now your U.S. Open Cup champion yeah well that's fine for them yeah what I would say about this Philly game that was rescheduled remember yes is the most important thing is they got through it with some pieces not having to play Marco Farfan didn't play Facundo didn't play ER Mendy played 15 minutes you know um Velasco going going again is fine because remember we're trying to build his minutes up um, Jesus played, you know, only missed 70 minutes of that game. So you set yourself up for Houston to be able to go with what you perceive as your very best, right? Yeah. Farfan will be back. Tafari can go again, no problem. If we have can go again, that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, Emma played a really great game, so great. Leave him in there. Or if you really have to, you can you have Joker ready to replace him if you need him. Um, Facundo and Yarmendi can go. Alan can go again as a young guy. No problem. Jesus is ready to go. Bernie might be back. So maybe O'Brien and Bernie. Or no, Paul didn't start either, right? Paul came in at 70, so he played 30 minutes. So Paul and Bernie maybe this weekend. You know, you're looking at, you've lined yourself up. I know it's on the road, but it's your arch rival and it's a conference game, right? So this is a big one. You know, you got four games left. And the extra game didn't crush you. You actually got through it and set yourself up pretty well for the stretch yeah. run. So, and and got a point out of it. Yeah, and so, whether we like it or not, Houston is really good right now. They are good. They're really, really good. Maybe they'll have a celebratory hangover and let off a little bit because they think they're good. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, full credit. They uh, they they now have to fix their attendance issues and all of that stuff. But their on field product is really entertaining. They're playing. Uh, and the bits and pieces that I have seen Houston play, I would say they are not a boring club. They are fun to watch. Hector Hernandez is playing out of his mind, and they got a bunch of other little pieces in there that are oh. going well. And burn and uh, and full credit, Ben's doing a good job yeah. down there. Coco Kerski is a baller, dude. That guy yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah, you know, and I enjoyed that their owner said they've been irrelevant for a decade. That was fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that interview with that guy uh this week. I can't remember what it was in, but it was uh he was I thought he was very honest and fair and um and, and admitted we've got the best stadium location of anybody in the league. Um and it's there's a great no, location. It's yeah. that's a stupidly amazing location. Oh, um, man, but yeah. it's never about location, it's about product buzz. We know that. Yeah, dude, I've gone to games there and gone down to that area and like gone to a bar or a restaurant and then walked over to the game. It's phenomenal. 
You know, I'm jealous of that location. I wish we had something nearly that cool. I mean, granted, I think over time, Frisco continues to improve. I get it. It's getting better. But it does not have that vibe that Houston has around it. It's different. You know, that Houston thing feels like the stadium's a deep ellum. To me, oh, it which is. I think well, is yeah, cool. It's, a, it's essentially know. in where, to, yeah. where it is would be deep ellum to, to Dallas. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it. Yeah. It's a cool Lodo, I think is what it's called. But um, OK, I'll uh, take you for that. I, think, I think that's what that part of town is called is called Lodo. But um, yeah, I, it's uh, it'll be in our I think Saturday is a big one to watch. I'm sure there's a big contingent of fans that are going down to the game. Um, did the club put anything together? Do, do you know? I believe they have some buses going down. I think oh, I don't good. know how involved the club is. but I know there are some buses. Look, it's a rivalry game. All bets are out the window. They just want a cup. Maybe they're in a hangover. You've set yourself up as best you can with your rotation. You have, and then behind that, you have Colorado at home. That's a rest game, right? So that's nice. Then you get Lucci at home here, so everybody will be up for that one. And then you got to go to L.A. So you got about a good about vast four as you can really ask for, honestly, at this point. You know, mm. you got to take right. care of business, but you know, it's 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 about with the Colorado game in there at home and San Jose being here at home. That's that's pretty good, man. Honestly. Now, Buzz, this is going to sound like I'm blowing uh, smoke up your skirt and Uh-oh. I'm uh, over-celebrating you, but I just want to make sure everybody recognizes the fact that Buzz Carrick is not just the original. He is a national treasure in Major League Soccer because on Sunday afternoon, wow. when his, Dallas, when his <laughs> Dallas Cowboys are playing an important <laughs> game of National League football, Buzz is not at home watching the Cowboys no, he is at Choctaw Stadium, the baseball park converted into an XFL slash soccer facility, <laughs> watching North Texas play its final game of the season. That, my friends, is dedication above and beyond what anybody else at any level of media coverage is doing in this these United States. So... Buzz, take it away with your North Texas <laughs> Soccer Club report, please, it was, sir. It was 100 degrees, too. Oh, my God. You are such yeah. a sicko. <laughs> you, were, you know why that happened? It's because I got the leaked NFL script and I, for the weekend. I knew the Cowboys were going yeah. down. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you definitely ended up in a way better sports experience yeah. than the rest yeah. of us. Well, let's just give the North Texas season ended, and I did my um, bit on who they're going to keep and get rid of, or I think they should keep and get rid of. Um Strangely, there's a lot more keeps this year than normal because they signed like five or six kids right towards the end of the season that are really more for next year. So the usual five that you're going to keep is now going to be more like 10, which is kind of weird. And then the other side of it is the question is the coach because they fired Javier Cano who I'm starting to hear some funny stories about, but not in a really negative way, <laughs> Can but in we a way. share the one story that we heard. Uh, no, no. Oh, but there, it's not it's, it's not like the Pomadu Cost stories, but it's like it's different than that. But yes, it's such a ridiculous story. Yeah. Well, the one thing I think I can tell is that there was a little bit of a disconnect, I think, between the, the kind of things they were practicing and then what would be happening when they would get to games. Uh, and that's the <laughs> the idea that he was basically telling them, like, hey, go out there and have fun. And it's like, well, why did we practice all that stuff then if we're if we're just going to be like, go out there and have fun? So for whatever the reason, you know, the performance is not great. So they changed the coach and John Gall takes over. And so the question is, is he going to be captain? I don't know why he won't be because he, he rallied pretty well, beat a couple of rivals, had a, you know, like a, like a, a four, two and three record. I think it was. So it won't shock me if he keeps the thing. Um, and 
I don't know there's really much to say about North Texas this season except that the farm players were all terrible. Um, the coaching situation was not wasn't great, but not in a Pomodou Ka kind of way, just in a in over his head kind of way, I think. Um, is there anybody playing for North Texas that has any shot at making it oh yeah. on the senior team? Yeah, Hope Kudzo Oveyu will be, I think, will be signed this next year. Okay. He's the he's the kid from um oh, is it Gambia? They they spot they spotted him at the Dallas Cup playing for one of the um charity sort of uh teams. Um, you know, like the the ones that, that are that are that fund these clubs in yeah. somewhere in Africa and they bring over all these teenagers and and they spotted him and and they actually invited him and two other guys, FC Dallas did to stay for like a whole year. Um, training with FC Dallas or North Texas or the Academy or whatever. Um, and then when COVID hit, they all had to go home, but they knew they were going to bring hope back. And they, the minute he turned 18, they signed him to a really long North Texas deal. Um, and he's just finished, I think basically his third season effectively, or maybe it's only his second. I think it's only his second. Maybe it's his third. Anyway, he's been really good this year and is now to a point where I think it's time to sign him for the first team. And there's some other guys that maybe are on track down the line, but a couple of their best players are like 16 years old. Um, Carl Sante, as, as their six, is the guy who gets called up for Haiti all the time. He needs to make another step before he's going to be an MLS capable player. I'm not sure he's got it in him, but we'll see. You know, as always, there's some diamonds in there that still need polishing that could turn into a Bernie. You know, I think Hope's pretty good. He's a left winger, but he's not like Bernie. He's not a vertical left winger. He's like Velasco, he's a false wing. He plays more like a 10, sometimes, uh, you know, ball handling, smart, nifty, really, really tactically good. I think he's got a pretty good shot to be the guy they signed this year from there. Okay. Overall, the season? Well, it's the first time they missed the playoffs. And I, again, I think it's a combination of the coaching and the, um, the failure of the farm guys that they tried. You know, there's one thing to say, I've, I've signed a farm player that I don't think is going to be MLS capable. It's another thing to sign a player that is outright awful. And it's making the North Texas level team just terrible. You yeah. know, they only had one guy that was worth playing at all. That was a farm player uh, and he's fine. He's okay. He plays most of their games, but he's not going to be in a major league soccer player. So he's actually a funny st- case study in a way of he was Brazil's captain when they won the U 17 world cup. And now he's 19 or 20 or whatever it is. And he's got no shot to be a pro basically oh. not like hmm. not an MLS level. You know, he's guys, a world champion It's like, what do you got? Nothing. So, you know, I was trying to figure out if I would recognize Hope, um, but I went to the North Texas soccer website and looked up the roster. They don't even have their photos. They've got the the empty silhouettes where there's supposed to be a photo. They don't even go to the hassle of putting their photo in the roster. Well, let me just say that MLS Next Pro Media is like one person for the whole league, so it's not really oh, surprising. Really? But if you go yeah. to like the fourth article down on third degree, the, the headline picture is Hope pointing at the camera. Okay. So you can, you can see what it looks like. All right. Well, um, I appreciate that. Of excellent course. player. Third degree. Yeah. Not net. Yeah. He's a good player. I think he'll be on the FC Dallas roster next year. That's my All prediction. Right. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then here on the world-famous – Mm. Run sheet written in red crayon. It says Buzz has a local kid story. Yes. There is a the first thing is I have to tell you about a player in the FC. Is this a feel good story you're gonna yeah. make me cry? No, it's a good one. Okay. I think it's a feel good story. All right. All right. So there's a kid in the FC Dallas Academy. His name is Caleb Swan. Do you know that name? I yes, think I mentioned I do. Him. Yes, yeah, you... really, really good player. 
Um, I, he's on my high on my list of potential future pro players. His sister is named Caroline Swan. <clears throat> and the reason I bring her up is that she's a U14 ish, I think. And she's been in some national team, youth national team pools. I bring it up because she plays in ECNL, which is uh, the top girls league here. Uh -huh. Except that she doesn't. She plays for a boys ECNL team. And she starts. She's one of their best players <laughs> on a it. on a U14, U15-ish boys, which is ECNL, which is the second tier here in town. Uh, I think it's BVB is who she plays for, I think. But, um, you know, listen, we're talking about a younger kid still. But to be good enough for a, a young lady to play on a boys team as we're getting into that 14, 15-year-old category yeah. is amazing. And not like she's on the roster and sits there. No, no, she's one of their key players and frequent starter for that team. What does she play? Is she a midfielder? She's a midfielder, I believe. Um, but she apparently she scores a lot of goals out of midfield, gets forward and bangs, shoots from range. Uh, she apparently can cut really well and, and doesn't have any problem at all playing against boys. Uh, and that's amazing. So it's just a name to watch out for. I think if you're talking about young ladies in this market that can play and, you know, and maybe there's other women that can do that, but they usually don't. It's not, it's pretty rare. Uh, I, I don't know. If I've ever heard of it before. Um, and I think it's remarkable. And I just wanted to bring it up because shout out to her. Cause that's pretty cool. Yeah. That is a great story. Yeah. yeah. Caroline Swan. Caroline right. Swan. Yeah. Excellent. That was a feel-good story, Buzz. I yeah, thought you're going to tell me some sad no, story. No, she's very highly regarded. She's highly ranked among the you know the players in her age bracket uh, in <laughs> it's gotta, in Texas. It's got to be some weird scouting video. <laughs> you, you're sending out your video to all no. these colleges for a scholarship, and people are like, "Wait a second, why is this a boys' game?" <laughs> Yeah, I mean, amazing. It's gonna right? confuse. Like yeah. some some uh, college scout's gonna go. Wait, I got the wrong tape, and just throw it away without watching it, thinking they got they got sent the wrong video because she's playing all boys. Yeah, it's funny in my head. It's okay. crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Buzz, they sit in ninth place. They're now up to forty points, uh, plus or minus a couple points of the teams above them, the teams below them. Vancouver, who was another team with a lot of games uh, in hand, uh, won tonight. I also I believe that they won tonight. Uh, they were playing, uh, so it's going to be a race, my friend. Yeah, it's going to be tight. Um, it looks like Vancouver's playing Colorado right now, so it's not over. It's one one. Oh, okay. Oh, is it one one? It was one nothing when I saw yeah. it. I thought oh, it was late in the game. Got the little red dot. Um, yeah, you know, again, they still got one more game in hand on everybody, almost everybody around them. But you're looking at, remember, fourth place Houston, 43 points, all the way down to Dallas, 40 points. That's a six positions for three points. Yeah, you, you beat Houston on Saturday, and now you're one point behind. No, you're tied with you're them. You're tied with them. Yeah. So, like, you know, we talk about Houston's really good and having this great season. They're one win better than Dallas, and Dallas has a game in hand. No, they're even games on Houston, sorry. So they're one win better than Dallas. Right. Even Seattle in third place on 45 points. Well, that's a game and a half win better. Right. I mean, it's like the, the West is so tight. LAFC 45, Dallas in second place, Dallas 40 in ninth place. Yeah. Five points, second to nine include Kansas City in 10th. And it's seven points, second to 10th. You know, granted, at some point it gets ridiculous, but literally five points over, uh, Eight, eight places in the standings, you know? So it's like 
so-and-so is really good. So-and-so is really bad. Man, they're all the same. <laughs> everybody not named St. <laughs> Louis down to everybody not named Colorado is, yeah. you know, there's, there's a really, really good team and a really, really bad team in the West. Everybody else is, you know, even LA on 34, same thing. They might look at Dallas and say, man, you're just, you're just two wins better than us. Right. Especially they're getting better. You know, Puig is amazing. You know, it is what it is. The West is a big car wash of, of, uh, you know, meh and all these teams to be honest with you you know and, and if you can be one that can grind out a couple of points you know i mean you you do that nice little graphic that shows the games people everybody everybody has left you know i i'd, I'd put dallas's chances up against anybody's with the schedule they have they got to do it got to win it out mm-hmm. you know jesus is gonna carry this team as far as they'll go alan vasco birth happening is pretty amazing you know yeah, uh, Houston won that game 2-1, by the way. Uh, they are the Open Cup champs. And the uh, Campiones Cup is tonight. Oh, Colorado just scored. So they're now Vancouver is now losing 2-1? Yeah, yeah losing 2-1. Wow, well, suddenly now that uh, game next Wednesday doesn't feel like such a walk in the park. No, yeah, I mean, no but the, the, it should be. You know, Colorado, that just means Vancouver is only one point ahead of you. You know, in terms of the thing, like you you can look at the bottom. Honestly, anybody probably from Houston on down could miss the playoffs easily. Oh, for sure. 43 to 38 is not. You go flat these last four games or three games or whatever you got left. Absolutely. Anybody from four down that loses out, like Seattle at 45, LA at 45, if they lose out, they're probably still safe because of the number of teams that would have to pass them. But anybody that's like, I don't know, four or five, whatever, six through nine. If you lose out, you're going to miss. You know, you got to perform no matter who you are at this point. And so it's really just wide open. You know, take care of your business. You'll be fine. All right, Buzz. Well, I think we've covered it pretty good tonight as best I think we can. And by the way, I should just one tiny correction. Caroline Swan plays for DKSC. That's who she plays for. That's my bad. So that's the even boys team, not the, the boys girls team. team. Yeah. 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 Okay. There's even Wait. a funny, uh, you see all boys, Texans players, to watch list that's got her name on it. That's funny. DKSC. Uh, they don't call them defeaters anymore. They just they mm. rename the girls team from defeaters to DKSC. Right? Yeah. The whole thing's okay. just called DKSC. As far as I know, now I will freely admit I'm not super dialed in on the girls side of UCNL, but I think the whole club is just DK defeaters kicks soccer club. Everyone just calls it DKSC. Okay. Cause the, the uh, kicks was a boy side only and defeaters was a girl side only. They just merged them together right, under right, this right, banner right. name and wear the same colors and, they have a nice little setup. They've got a little academy attached to that, like for school and stuff. They have a nice program. Right. It's a good club. Rising yeah. club. They'll be better than Texans really quickly if they're not already, in my opinion. And probably solar, too, because of the academy part they're running, which is for education purposes. Excellent stuff. Third Degree, the podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Soccer90.com is your ultimate destination for FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, and European club gear. Right now, it's the North Texas Soccer Club end of season sale. You can get 50% off all that awesome gear, unique stuff, a lot more rare. No one's going to have that. Hurry while supplies last. All Third Degree listeners get 20% off your order when you use the code Third Degree at checkout. Some exclusions do apply. Well, very good, uh, Buzz. I appreciate it. Um, and sure, man. We'll, uh, big game. Are you, are, you going to, are you going down for the game in Houston? I don't know. I haven't thought, figured it out yet. Uh, my car should be out of the shop soon, so we'll see. I don't think I'll have it back in time to... Uh, you should take the loaner. You should take the rental car since you don't no, since you not put the miles on. I'm working this weekend, Saturday and Sunday both, so that's out. Oh, okay. But I'll be at the Colorado game, I think. I'm sure. Okay. 
All right. Well, kick ass. Well, uh, thank you, Buzz. Your expertise is wonderful. Anytime. Uh, And thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. We will speak to you next week on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. I I, I don't know what to say. Third Degree, the Third Degree, the podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree, the podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree, the podcast. Third Degree, the 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 Third Degree